This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. Have you ever done something and after you did it, you realized that was the most foolish thing I've ever done. It was just in vain. I rather suspect there's not a person watching right now but what hasn't had an experience like that. You did something hoping for an, a, a, some kind of result out of it. Not only did you not get the result you had desired, then you found out it was so useless for you to attempt that thing. We want to talk about something today that is along that line. And our subject is entitled, Did Christ Die in Vain? There's no doubt that he died, but was it useless? Was it unnecessary? Did Jesus die in vain? I'm Billy Lambert. I'm the regular speaker on Getting to Know Your Bible. And I want to thank you for tuning in and watching today. And today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we're going to be offering a free Bible correspondence course. And we want to make that available to each and every one of you that are watching right now. There's nothing that would make me happier than to learn that every person watching the telecast right now had ordered the Bible course. As a matter of fact, I would be elated. And it will cost you absolutely nothing that you might learn more about the course and how you might receive the Bible course, we're going to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. Today I'm going to be reading out of the book of Galatians, chapter 2, and I'd like to read the last two verses of chapter 2. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But I do not frustrate the grace of God. For verily if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. You know, it's sad for anyone to die. Even if, if a person were to be your enemy and that person dies, that should be sad to all of us. Stephen was stoned to death in Acts chapter 7. He was a Christian. We sometimes refer to Stephen as the first Christian martyr, that is, the first Christian to give his life for the cause of Christ. And after his death, 
the church made great lamentation over him. Even when a good person dies, righteous person dies, it's sad. But what is sadder is for, for a person to die a useless death, to die in vain. Try, try to picture, if you can, a, a family, father and the mother and the children, and they're out on a Sunday afternoon and they're going to go to a park somewhere. It's such a beautiful day. They, they want to let the children play in the park. And, and on their way, there's a drunken driver that gets on the wrong side of the road and there's a head-on collision and the parents and the children all killed in that accident. I'd be sad, but it's tragic. And it's, the reason it's tragic, it was so unnecessary. It was so useless. They died in vain. Nearly 2,000 years ago, God sent Jesus into this world on a mission. And the mission that Jesus was sent on into this world, as he said in John 4, 34, was to do the meat of his Father. That is what God wanted him to do. In John 6, 38, he said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So he came down into this world to carry out the will of the Father, and the will of the Father was that the Son come to be a sacrifice for the sins that had offended God. He tasted of death for every man, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. Wounded for our transgressions, Isaiah 53. Bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, that is with Jesus' stripes, Isaiah said, we are healed. We're healed spiritually because Jesus Christ came into this world. But did he die in vain? Paul said if righteousness comes by the law, he said Christ died in vain. Well, the fact is righteousness did not come by the law. Acts 13, 39 tells us that no man could be justified by the law. The law of Moses, you say, well, what, what was the law of Moses? Well, say, weren't those the Ten Commandments, Brother Lambert, when you talk about the law of Moses? Well, according to Deuteronomy chapter 5 and the first five verses of that chapter, Moses' law was given to the Jewish nation. And it was given for a reason, for a purpose. It was added because of transgression till the seed should come, Galatians 3.19. In order to restrain the people to keep the bloodline pure, God, they were given a law to follow. There weren't just Ten Commandments. That was the core of the Jewish law. But there were a total of some 615 commandments. That's a lot of commandment keeping, isn't it? And so they were to keep that law. But there was no justification under that law. For a person to have been justified by the law of Moses, they would have had to have kept that law to perfection. But no man did that. No man could do that. There's only one person who ever kept the law to perfection, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17 said he didn't come to destroy the law but to fulfill the law. He fulfilled the, all of the promises and the predictions made in the Old Testament concerning himself. 
And not only he fulfilled it in that he lived by the law as no other human being had ever been able to live, he lived by the law without ever breaking the law because he was a son of God. He did not sin, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, and 1 Peter 2, 21 and 22. Jesus is the only human being, the only person of human form that has lived on this earth without sinning. Jesus Christ, God's Son. God sent him to die on the cross. And when Jesus died on that cross, he did it to, to take away that law that had been given by Moses, to blot it out, to give a better law, the law of grace. James chapter one, John rather chapter 1 says the law came by Moses. Moses was the lawgiver. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law was one in, in one dispensation of Bible history, in the Mosaical age of Bible history. But the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ was in the Christian age. And today, we live under the gospel of Jesus Christ, not the law given by Moses. And that distinction ought to be made. But, but if men could be justified by the law, Jesus died in vain. He died to, get, to do away with that law. Listen to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which was against us, which was contrary to us, taking it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Jesus, as it were, nailed that law to the cross. He abolished that law. Wherefore become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that we should be married to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, Romans 7, verse 4. And so the law of Moses is no longer effective. Now, to put it very simply, where I can understand it, and hopefully others can, when I stand before God on the day of judgment, I'm not going to be judged by the law that was given through Moses, when he appeared upon Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments. I know today it's not uncommon for people to see their, their duty and their responsibility in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. But the Old Testament has served its purpose. And the purpose of the law was to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. In, in Galatians, the third chapter, Paul said the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might, might be justified by faith, but after that faith is come, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. And the law of Moses is the schoolmaster, the tutor in this case. In those days, it was the responsibility of the tutor to take the student to the schoolmaster. And then at the end of the day, take him back home. I suppose the counterpart to that today would be the school bus. The school bus picks up the student, carries them to the teacher, and at the end of the day, the school bus takes the children back home. The law was a schoolmaster to bring us to the Lord Jesus Christ. But after, after that, we might be justified by faith. But Paul said after faith is come, we're not any longer under the schoolmaster, not under that law. But my question is, are we now justified by faith in Jesus Christ? If we are, if we are, then the law no longer is effective today. I'll not be judged by that when I stand before God on the day of judgment. I'll be judged by the law of grace, by the gospel of Christ, by the New Testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why, in, in Galatians, the third chapter, the 26th verse, Paul said, We're all the children of God 
by faith in Christ Jesus. So we become children of God by having faith in Jesus Christ. And then he says in the 27th verse, For as many of you as have been, this is something that already done, have been baptized into Christ, put on Christ. So we're clothed with Jesus Christ. We put Jesus on and we're added to the family of God once we obey the gospel of Christ by believing on him and being baptized into him. Because he said, believe and be baptized. You'll be saved. Mark 16, 16. But, but if the law is still binding on us today, Jesus died for in vain because he died to abolish that law, to give us a superior law, a law that's the law of grace today. And we live under that law today. That's not to suggest there isn't something that we do to be saved by God's grace. We must obey the gospel of Christ because, as Paul wrote in Romans 16, chapter 1 and verse 16, it is the power of God unto salvation to all that believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we're to obey the gospel today to be saved, not to obey the law of Moses. That explains a lots of things to us. Jesus lived, Jesus died under the Mosaical law while it was still in effect. The, the penitent thief that was with Jesus while he was on the cross who said, remember me when you come into your kingdom, lived and died under the law of Moses, not the gospel, because the gospel under which we live today was not given till Jesus died on that cross. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the new covenant, or New Testament, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. For the, and then he says, for a testament is of force. This is in the 15th verse. After men are dead. Otherwise it is of no strength while the testator liveth. Likely, some of you watching right now have made out your will. And in your will you have certain stipulations made. Well, when will your will be effective while you're still alive? Those who know, Brother Lambert, it will not be, uh, it's useless until I die. It's, it's, it's not, it cannot be effective until my death, and then, then it will be learned as to what was in my will, what was to be done with my estate, and then my will can be put into effect or enforced. Well, Jesus' law, Jesus' will, his last will and testament, we call it the New Testament in contrast to the Old Testament, that is the law of Moses. The New Testament of Christ went into effect when he died. And the conditions of that testament were first announced by the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost recorded in your Bible in the second chapter of Acts. And the conditions of salvation were announced in verse 38 to repent and to be baptized for the remission of sins in verse, uh, in verse 38. And there are about 3,000 people that very day that were baptized. But if the law of Moses is still binding today, then Christ died in vain. Someone said, Brother Lambert, you mean you don't believe the Old Testament? I believe every word of the Old Testament. And there is profit and there is benefit in studying the Old Testament. It's not a matter of whether I believe it or not. The question is, when I stand before God, what will be the law by which I will be judged? It will not be the law of Moses, which was an imperfect law, 
which required perfection for a person to be justified by the law. Hence, no one can be justified by that law. Uh, Acts uh, chapter 13, verse 39. And, and when we will be judged by the gospel given by Jesus when he died on that cross. And the conditions of that will, last will and testament of Jesus were announced by Peter in Acts chapter 2. I believe every word of the Old Testament. Matter of fact, in Romans 15, 4, Paul said, Whatsoever things were written aforetime wrote, were written for our learning, that we through comfort and patience of the Scriptures might have hope. The Scriptures that have reference to were Old Testament Scriptures. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul wrote to Timothy these words, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Well, what will they do for you? Which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. When you study the Old Testament, the Old Testament tells us Jesus is coming. When you come to the New Testament, the, the message is Jesus is, has come and he's coming again someday at the end of time. And so today... We're living under the gospel. But if the law of Moses is still binding upon us today, then Jesus died in vain. If righteousness comes by the law, people, Paul wrote in Galatians 2.21, Christ is dead in vain. But here's another consequence that we want to think about. If, if religious division and confusion pleases God, well, Jesus died in vain. You know, the Bible says God is not the author of confusion, but of peace in 1 Corinthians 14. So he is not the author of confusion. It is said in Psalms 133 and verse 1, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Some things are good that might not be very pleasant. Um, I can remember some medicine my mother would give me when I was small and she said, well, it's good for you, but it wasn't pleasant taking it. I can assure you of that. There are some things that are good that are not very pleasant, but there are some things that are, that are pleasant, that are good and pleasant. And when people can be together in unity, be united, and dwell together in unity, and live together in unity and harmony, that is both good and pleasant in the eyes of God. And it is God's prayer, God's desire that we all be united. But how can that be made possible? It's by the cross of Jesus Christ. His death on the cross was not to cause men to be divided up into a multiplicity of different religious organizations and cults. Jesus died not for division but for unity. He died for unity. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 16, that he might reconcile both. Now the both has reference to Jew and Gentile. There was a division between the Jew and Gentile in Paul's day. They had no dealings one with the other. And when Jesus died, he broke down the middle wall of petition that separated the Jew and the Gentile. He said that he might reconcile both unto God. Man needs reconciliation to God. Is it possible for man to be reconciled to God and to have the, 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 be at one with God or atone, 
to have our sins atoned so that we can be at one with him, at onement, that atonement with God. Well, it's Jesus' death on the cross that he might reconcile both unto God. Where? Where is the realm where this reconciliation takes place? In one body. Well, what is that body? If we're reconciled unto God in one body. Now, remember when Paul wrote this, this was pre-denominational Christianity that he's talking about. There was no such things as religious organizations of various and sundry kinds in existence. There was the one body that he might reconcile both unto God in one body. Well, what is the body? How is it defined in the New Testament? What is that? Well, in the first chapter of Ephesians, in, in the chapter preceding where we're, where we're, from where we're reading right now, in the last two verses he said, they hath put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. What is his body? The church. Now go back to Ephesians 2.16, that he might reconcile both, that's Jew and Gentile, unto God. How is he going to do that? Or where is he going to do that? Well, the place, the where is in one body, and the how is by the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus died to unite. He died that men might be made one in him. That's the reason in the fourth chapter of Ephesians, Paul said there's one body, one spirit, even as you're called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is above all, through all, and in you all. So there's one, one body, and men and women saved from their sins are reconciled unto God in that one body. When Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 that we're delivered from darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son, it's the same as Paul is talking about in Ephesians 2.16, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. Jesus Christ died to unite us and not to divide us. And Jesus' prayer was that we be united. Listen to his prayer in John 17. Sometimes we, we do not really comprehend the prayer of Jesus. And the, John the 17th chapter is really the Lord's prayer. I'd encourage you to read the entire chapter. But notice verses 20 and 21. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, that they may be what? That they all may be one. Who might be one? Those who believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. Well, how, what are you talking about, Jesus? That they may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. They are one. God and Jesus are one. Two personalities. God the Father, God Christ, the, God the Son, and, and the, God the Holy Spirit. They're all three in one. First John 5 and says, There are three that bear record in heaven, the, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. They are one in their nature, all eternal. They're one in their personality. They're one in their purpose. And the purpose of the Godhead was the salvation of mankind. And so they are, we are to be one as God and Jesus are one. And the reason for that, our, Jesus said that we need to be united is that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
Now, this may seem rather simplistic to you, but it is my judgment, my opinion, and your, my opinion is no better than someone else's opinion. I understand that. But I really believe with all of my heart that one of the greatest contributing factors to unbelief in the religious world today is all of the division exists. I couldn't tell you how many times I've been approached by people, and I've had people say something like this to me. Brother Lambert, with all the confusion that exists in religion today, this one teaching one thing, and this one teaches something that contradicts what that one's teaching, and, and all the different things that are going on in religion, how can a person know what's right today? Well, Jesus said, I want my people to be one so that people will become believers in me, knowing that you sent me in this world to save the world. And one of the greatest things that we can do in the religious world today is to unite. It is not, it is not what the Bible teaches that divides us people. It's what it doesn't teach. It's our ideas, our opinions. And then we start force, forcing our opinions as though those opinions were law. But you see, we need to go back to the Bible, don't we? And to speak where it speaks, be silent where the Bible is silent. Paul, Paul, Paul wrote about unity in 1 Corinthians 1 and 10. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of, 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 of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all do what? Speak the same thing, and there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. You see, God wants us to be together. He wants us to be united. We have to unite on authority. Suppose you're driving through a neighborhood and, and you and your wife have been talking about building a new home, so you're out scouting out. You know, you want to find a home you'd like to build. You find the one you want, and you want to build one exactly like it. I mean down to the last nail. You want it to be just exactly like that house. How is that possible, to build two houses that look exactly alike? You say, well, what I would do is I'd try to find out who the architect was, and I'd try to get the, the same contractor that used the architect's blueprint and have him to build that same house for me. You know, we can understand that about building some kind of a physical structure, but we can do that also in the spiritual realm. We've got the blueprint, that's the Bible. And if we would all follow the same rules and the blueprint, as it were, then does it make sense to you that we would all see things alike, to speak the same things, and there would not be any divisions among you? And then we would answer Jesus' prayer to be one in him. But if religious confusion is okay with God, Jesus died for nothing because he died to unite. I, I want to thank you for watching, getting to know your Bible today, and, and let me encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And, and right now, why don't you pick up the telephone and call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. There's nothing that thrills me more than to have our telephone clogged with requests for the free Bible Correspondence Course. And you really don't have to talk into anyone. You can leave your name, your telephone number, your address on the answering machine. We'll get it to you just as soon as we possibly can. But until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. 
If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.